Welcome to Aligned Attraction, the go-to intimacy podcast for powerful women. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lee Noto, master intimacy coach and psychedelic therapist, and I help powerful women like you unleash your wild feminine power so you can create heart-throbbing love. Each week, you'll hear from me and other experts on love, sex, and relationships, and I'll also coach women like you to create the most delicious transformation in their love lives. You ready? Hello, darling, and welcome back to another episode of Aligned Attraction. I am so excited to be here with you today. If you haven't been listening for a long time, I'm Lee Noto, Master Intimacy Coach, Psychedelic Therapist, and Co-Founder of Aligned Attraction, and I am joined today by none other than my beloved himself, Ani. Want to introduce yourself real quick, babe? What's up? (laughs) I'll let you do the introducing as usual. Hmm. Well, this is my beau, Ani Manian, who is also a masterful coach, both in the space of intimacy, business, and he is also the co-founder of Aligned Attraction. And we're about to have a powerful ass conversation today, something that we've been giving a lot of thought to in our relationship and in the work that we do with women. And I'll just... Uh, start off by saying that this episode is a part of a series that we are sharing right now that's leading up to a live virtual workshop that we're hosting on Monday, May 1st from 6 to 8 p.m. Central, and it's called The Commitment Code. And it is all about how high-achieving, powerful, badass women can inspire the commitment of a grounded man who's doing his inner work, a high value man. How do we as women inspire commitment from a man? Because I'll just start by saying that we can't force anyone to commit to us, but we can inspire them to commit to us. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And if any of this lands, resonates, activates you, triggers you, moves you, causes you to feel something, then we want you there at the commitment code with us on Monday. I'm going to drop the link in the show notes so you can register. Everything will be there for you. All right. So let's dive into this conversation because this is a really juicy one. I have had so many women come to me in my Instagram inbox, via email, my own personal friends asking how to attract and keep a high quality committed man. And I've given this a lot of thought because while I was on my journey to calling my beloved in, Ani, I thought about this and felt into this all the time. And I want to first start by level setting with everyone. What is a high value man or a high quality man? Just so that we can all be on the same page. And I invite you, if you're not operating machinery or a motor vehicle, to close your eyes while I share this, especially if you're a single woman who's ready to call in her man, I really want you to envision this for yourself and feel what this kind of man feels like in your body. Okay. 
So a high value man is a man who is doing his inner work. He is seeking to make himself better, to see where his blind spots are. He's seeking to understand how he can be uh, even more of the man that he is without conditioning, without wounding. This man's consistent and reliable. He shows up. When he gives his word to something, he keeps it. And if he can't keep it, he communicates it. He's reliable. You feel his energy in how he shows up. And he shows up the same every time. He's emotionally available. In other words, he's willing to share where he's at honestly. He's willing to let you know what his needs and boundaries are. He's connected to his desires. And he's truthful when he communicates. This is a man who leads his life with integrity. So when he says he's going to do something, he does it and he walks his talk. He shows up with this provider energy. Even if you're a woman who can already provide for yourself, he wants to open doors. He wants to protect you. He wants to let you walk on the inside of the street when there are cars coming by. This is a man who's connected to his purpose. He has a clear sense of direction in his life and he holds himself accountable. He shows up to you with presence. So when you and him are interacting, you are the only person that exists. There is nothing else that can take his energy away. And this is a man who wants to love and honor and respect every inch of your body while ravishing you completely. And he wants to feel and know all of you. He craves your wildness. He wants to experience your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. He wants to hear about your dreams and desires. This is a high value man. And this kind of man cannot be forced into commitment. He can only be inspired into commitment. He is a king. He has that king-like energy. And when he walks into a room, you just feel him. He doesn't have to say anything. And this is the kind of man who's in search of his queen. And he's looking for something very particular in a woman. And so we want to really dive in today to what exactly inspires commitment from this kind of man and the don't list. Here are the, the things to embody or to not embody rather if you want to inspire commitment from a high value man. Before I hop in, is there anything, Ani, as a high value man that is really alive for you right now? Yeah, I think it's important to just underscore that this is not a moral classification. You know, when we often when we talk about value, it's, you know, morality, good or bad, all of these dichotomies get mixed in. Um, when I think of that term, high value, what I, in my mind, anything that has high value just is just desired more. There's more, um, it's sought out more. And so you can think about, you know, Gucci bags or the Birkin bag, um, which has a certain built-in scarcity because there's a lot of people that want it and the supply of it is fairly limited. And so when we think about high value men and high value women, what makes them high value is um, how desired or sought out they are. 
And the reason why they're desired so much compared to other people is because they've actually forged themselves in certain ways. And I think that's true for men and women. I think both men and women um, and everyone in between goes through this forging of themselves. And we can do that physically. We can forge ourselves with... Um, you know, exercise and strength training and sprinting and running and all, all of these things. We can forge our mind in a variety of different ways by learning, by, you know, becoming more self-aware about our habits and patterns. Um, we can also forge our energy. We can forge our energy, the, the energetic signature with which we show up and make a dent in the world and the impression we leave on people we interact with. Um, and we can, you know, forge um, our polarity as well. How, you know, how we show up and what kind of a response or reaction or ripple it creates in the people around us and the world around us. So I think it's important to underscore that when we talk about value, what we're really talking about is someone who's taken leadership for themselves to develop themselves. And often this is an uncomfortable process by definition, right? When we, um, when someone wakes up one day and they realize that they got too comfortable, they got too self-indulgent and they ate too much ice cream and, you know, too many sweets and, you know, didn't, exert themselves enough and they've put on a little bit of weight what you know if they want to take responsibility for their body what they would do is they would use discomfort they would start walking they would start exercising they would start restricting calories right they would um shift where they get the calories from from you know sugary treats to nutritionally dense food that has a lot of macro and micronutrients. And it's usually through a process of discomfort that they forge their body, that they forge their physique. And this is why we like people, we admire people, we respect people who've taken the time to forge their bodies. And it's the same thing when it comes to wealth and success. It's the same thing when it comes to everything else. And so relationships are no different. And I think there's a forging process that men and women can go through to increase their value. And this looks different for men and women. And, you know, we're going to trigger a lot of people today, hopefully. Um, that is my intention, at least. And what's happening in society is that society as a whole is becoming very impotent. Society is getting uh, very diluted. and the range that is present in society is really shrinking. So when there's a lot of range, there's a lot of polarity. There is the quintessential masculine polarity, which you know I'd love for you to define in a, in a minute, and the quintessential feminine polarity, right? And everything in the universe operates on the principle of polarity. And so when this polarity um, in terms of the spectrum in society shrinks, 
everyone becomes sort of diluted and basically the same. And typically when that happens, um, people just aren't turned on. People just aren't alive. People just are like kind of blah, meh. Everything is uh, is kind of weak and impotent. And really what we're talking about here is how to increase your potency, mm-hmm. how to become so potent that you become magnetic, how to become so potent that you become desirable. You become an object of desire, not because you're an object or something to be possessed, but because we all inherently have this capacity to be attractive. Mm-hmm. And we owe it to ourselves to cultivate that capacity as much as we can. And so this is going to be a little bit like a gym session for um, the emotional, the relational, um, the energetic aspects of the self that really make one magnetic, that really make one desirable, that really make one high value. Beautiful. Thank you for all of that. And I think it's also worth saying that when we say high value, we're not referring to inherent worthiness as a human. We know that every human is inherently worthy, whether or not they're on a seeking personal development path, conventionally speaking or not. I will second what Ani said in that this is, we're referring to people who are actively forging themselves for the purposes of their own evolution. And by virtue of that, that makes these people desirable. When someone is glowing and radiating, be it physically, emotionally, or otherwise, everyone wants to know who that person is and what they're drinking. So that's what we're referring to when we talk about high-value man or high-value woman. Awesome. Okay. So let's dive into this because we have um, a really, really simple way to illustrate what inspires the commitment of a high-value man. And I'm going to talk about this in terms of the qualities that women embody. Because if you're listening to this, you are likely a woman or you are likely identify as a woman. And I often get asked, how do I show up in the world to attract these kinds of men? And I'll first start by saying, you don't have to be anybody you're not. This whole journey of love is not about becoming someone you're not. It is about becoming even more of who you are without the conditioning, without the societal impressions, the one who you were born to be, your powerful, potent self. So let's get into it. We're talking about these values, these qualities of a woman. And one of the things that I think is so simple to start off with off the bat is when a woman is really connected to her body her needs, her desires, her boundaries, because she has made it safe enough inside of herself to understand these aspects of her and get really intimate with her emotions, the sensations that arise, her fears. And she's able to communicate this part of her experience clearly. This really inspires high value men to want to interact with her because they know where they stand with her. They know that she is a woman who can be trusted because she's going to speak up for her needs. She's going to share her values. She's going to really express her desires and she's going to make clear her boundaries. And when we're around people like that, 
we just know we can trust them. There's no guessing. There's no trying to manage them and their emotions. And so this is one of the core embodiments that really attract high quality, high value men. The the thing to underscore here is that for a high value man that just feels safe, there's a predictability and there's a trust in a woman who really knows herself, who's really in touch with herself, who's in touch with her needs, her desires, her boundaries, and there's no guesswork required. And, you know, in our relationship, I think one of my, by far, one of my favorite things about you is how connected you are to your body, to your emotions. And it feels so good for me because that program doesn't have to run in my mind constantly, where I have to keep track of and guess and anticipate your needs and um, put that responsibility on me to meet them often when, you know, in the case that you might not be connected to them yourself. Right. And, And so high value men and this is, you know, this is, uh, there's going to be a lot of generalizations here, but high value men typically don't want more drama mm-hmm. to put it bluntly. We don't want more work. That said, it's not that we're unwilling to do the work, but there are different categories of work. Mm-hmm. And in our relationship, we've done a tremendous amount of work, mm-hmm. but in terms of taking on drama, that feels like a completely different category. Right. And I think high value men have very low tolerance for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And it's it's the the differentiation between the work that has no end in sight because the patterns keep playing out over and over and over again and people aren't learning. And it's patterns playing out unconsciously versus the work where we can be playing a pattern out, but we're willing to come to the table and address it and acknowledge it and take responsibility for it and share what we're going to do differently next time. Beautiful. So opposite of that is here's what would repel a high value man if somebody were embodying this quality. And I will just self-disclose that I've been here many times. I really had to learn my way through this process, but it's the quality of expecting him to read your mind and then getting resentful when he can't read your mind. And Ani, very early on in our relationship, taught me this term called covert contracts. It's when we make an agreement with ourselves without explicitly making clear to our partner what the expectation is and how they can fulfill that expectation. So, you know, when I used to show up with the expectation that Ani would just know what I needed, that wasn't very attractive to him. It didn't help him be on the same page as me. And so that is the the, the thing on the list of not to do. If you want to really continuously relate to a high value man, and something important here to caveat is that in that and in other stuff we're going to be talking about, this is by no means something you should use to beat yourself up or feel bad about. And none of this is meant to be, it may be triggering. I don't think triggers are a bad thing. I think as a society, we need to 
collectively learn to um, be triggered more elegantly and hold that trigger um, without expecting the world to be different. But I think we have to also understand that a lot of what you're going to hear, uh, if you exhibit these behaviors or tendencies as an adult, these are adaptations that were created to conditions in your childhood. So we hold a lot of love and regard for these adaptive traits that you've developed, often as a compensatory strategy to create safety for yourself, to maintain relationship, to uh, get your core needs met. Um, so by no means are we labeling or um, you know, trying to put anyone in a box, but it is helpful for us to grow and develop, to become aware of some of our patterns. And it's much easier when we can name those patterns and then we can understand what they represent, why they came to be, and how we can unwind those patterns. And that's what the journey of growth really is. So in this case, if you had a parent who was um, not really attuned to your needs, then what's going to happen is you're going to grow up and you're going to seek uh, in some ways the perfect parent who um, is compensating for that experience you had in your childhood, who can read your mind, who can know your needs before you know your needs, who can anticipate those needs and meet them because you're looking to resolve that original wound. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times adult relationships will blow up because of some of these tendencies, because A, that is not a fair expectation to put on anyone, right? We have to take radical responsibility for our needs. And it, you could be with the perfect partner and they will fail. And when they fail, you will find a reason to justify why you shouldn't be with them. And what's going to happen is that, that there's that self-sabotaging tendency that's going to keep coming in and it's going to blow up those relationships. So the moral of the story here is you have to, have to, have to develop that relationship with yourself. You have to develop that capacity to um, intercept and understand what your needs are, what your experience is in the moment, what the state of your nervous system is. Um, if you're, you know, agitated, if you're in some sort of a trauma response, if you need space, if you need connection, and, you know, even in a normal situation, just be more connected to yourself, be more connected to your needs, to your fears, to your desires, to your boundaries, and take radical responsibility for them. And part of that is a radical responsibility to meet them yourself, mm. right? We are responsible for our needs. We can make requests for our wants of others, but you, Lee, aren't responsible for my core needs. Mm -hmm. and vice versa. Right. Right. But I can share a request. I can share a want. I can share a desire. And if we're in a, in an exchange where you're doing something or saying something that doesn't feel good for me, I can state a boundary. And if that boundary is an honor, then I can leave mm -hmm. right? or I can reiterate the boundary. But what I can't do, what I shouldn't do, what's not healthy, what's very dysfunctional is A, making you responsible for my needs or trying to control you when I'm trying to get my needs met. Right. It's a very indirect way to do right. so. Yep. Mm-hmm. Aho. 
Okay. So let's talk about the second quality now. And thank you so much for that perspective. The second quality that really, really inspires the commitment of a high value man is when he is greeted by a woman who is what we call an open-hearted leader. And I want to really talk about what open-hearted leadership looks like so that this is not just a concept. There is a particular way that the masculine embodies leadership and that the feminine embodies leadership. And when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, I'm not referring to gender identification. We all have these two energies that flow through us. You may have heard them referred to as yin and yang energy. So the masculine form of leadership is more directive. It is the the one who says, okay, we're going to be in a meeting at this time on this day. Here's the agenda. Here's what you're responsible for. Here's the time that we're going to end. There is a very clear, concise directive. It's the A to B linear direct path. And often masculine leadership is the leadership of command. Uh, Somebody with a lot of masculine energy can give a command or a directive and the people following this person will know exactly what needs to happen and by when. When done well, of course. The feminine form of leadership is leading through inspiration. So when someone is really deeply in their feminine and they are leading, it might look something like this. You might see someone who's so deeply embodied. They are having a great time. Maybe it's somebody on a dance floor and they are the only person dancing and no one's dancing. And this person is out there like nobody's watching And they are so deeply inspiring to the people watching that they lead those people through their energy to hop onto the dance floor and join them because they're so embodied. They are so in a place of presence and open-heartedness that it's this is the kind of leadership that creates movements. So we inspire people into a vision versus telling them what the vision is. Now, when a woman shows up in this way, in this sort of open-hearted leadership in relationship, this might be me um, in the morning saying, babe, I'm going to go down and be in my devotional practice. And I go down and meditate and Ani feels so inspired that he's like, you know what? I want to do a practice too. I see that every time she comes back from this meditation, she's just in this completely different place. She greets me with a hug and a kiss she throws her arms around me and she's like, baby, I love you. I'm so grateful for you. Can I share uh, another example, which you know has meant so much to me in times where I've been really just pedal to the metal, uh, wow. going for it with work. Um, and when that happens, I tend to get a little serious and I tend to lose a little bit of that energy of play. And I get very intense, not a Scorpio at all. Um, But there have been so many times when, you know, you'll put on a song and you'll just start dancing and you'll take my hand and you'll invite me into that experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, moments like those are so precious. They're so beautiful. And it's a very different kind of leadership. It's leadership nonetheless, but it's leadership that's very as we call it, open-hearted, that's very embodied, that's very so deeply present, that's so nourishing. 
And in that moment, I forget all of the stuff that I'm, you know, getting all so serious about. And I fall into that, that space with you. Mm-hmm. So there is something extremely precious about that. And that kind of leadership is just as valuable as the traditional masculine leadership, right? The setting of goals, setting a clear direction, um, or eating, even accumulating resources, which is a masculine quality, right? Making money, uh, building a net worth, you know, building a beautiful home, um, just collecting resources to protect and safeguard and nourish a family unit. And that's just as beautiful, but it's different. And, you know, again, we're going to keep hammering this. One of the biggest causes for the state of society right now is the lack of differentiation. Hmm. When everything becomes too same, too same, same, um, as they say in Thailand, it's and not different enough. Everything gets diluted. Everything gets impotent and um, everything suffers. Mm-hmm. So what we need is a sufficient level of sameness and a sufficient level of differentiation. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about here is that the same quality leadership, but this is embodied and exemplified very differently by in the masculine way and in the feminine way. Again, not a gender thing. Women can accumulate resources and men can lead in an open-hearted way, ideally. And you know everything we're doing in the Aligned Attraction program is helping women develop the, the range and choice. And I know we'll get to that in a second, but we all want the capacity for all of it. Like we, you and I, Lee, we're not in the kind of relationship where you're aspiring to be a stay-at-home um you know, passive, um, purposeless person who's, you know, relying on me for, you know, support and um, and security and safety. You're a very powerful woman and you are walking in this world with a lot of purpose. You have a big ambition. You have a big desire for impact. And I, and I love it but you are also able to bring polarity in all these other ways. And so I think this was one of the things we wanted to talk about. It's women don't have to surrender their ambition to be feminine. Mm -hmm. Women don't have to give up the desire to be successful. That's not a precondition for femininity. Mm -hmm. But what what needs to happen is there needs to be both choice and range in being able to switch polarity. Because this is really, really important. And in, in our model, in the aligned attraction model, these two dimensions are so important, choice and range. Mm-hmm. Range, because we want access to the full range, the full spectrum of polarity. I want to be able to be clear, direct visionary, set a goal, crush it. And you do as well, because you have hopes, dreams, ambitions, and a desire to create impact. That's beautiful. But the other half of the range, being receptive, being open, being loving, being nurturing, we want access to that too. And the same for me. Because if I was only 
you know, driving hard towards uh, a goal and I didn't have the the emotional intelligence, the openness, the open-heartedness, the, the, the nurturing aspect of me, you wouldn't want to be in a relationship with me for very long because it would be incomplete. So we want, first of all, range. Second, we want to cultivate the ability to have choice in where to embody from that range. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to be stuck in one point or one section of that spectrum. Right. So quintessentially, it's the it's the dad who's hard hitting at work. And then he comes home and he's hard hitting with the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. Or with his wife. And it shows up as emotional abuse, maybe even physical abuse. It may show up in a variety of different ways, but he's cold, he's hard, he's unempathetic, he's not nurturing, he is demanding, he's critical. Mm. And that doesn't feel good, right? And he doesn't have range. He doesn't have the choice to occupy any other part of the spectrum. Right. So the the, the two most important dimensions here or choice and range. Yes. It's not that we want men to be a certain way or women to be a certain way. In fact, what we're really talking about is that both men and women cultivating the choice and the range to operate anywhere on the spectrum. And when they do that, they're not operating from their default programming, from autopilot, Mm -hmm. from the conditioning that tells them that this is who you are, this is how you have to be. Beautiful. So to your point, babe, you know, the opposite of this sort of open-hearted leader, well, let me actually just, there was something else that I wanted to share in there, which was another aspect of the open-hearted leader is the ability to stay open even when hardship occurs. This has been one of the biggest initiatory forces in our relationship because it's so easy to shut down when someone quote unquote pisses us off, right? It's, it's so easy to just close up, to wall off, to push away, to avoid, to disconnect and withdraw. And when a woman, when any person, but we're just talking about women in this instance can remain open yet have clear boundaries and still be receptive to her partner, even if what she's receiving from from her partner is not desirable and clearly communicate that while remaining open-hearted, there is something so magnetic and elegant and regal about this quality in a woman. It's really powerful. Can you share an example of that? Because you've you've embodied that so much in our relationship and I've learned so much from you. Um, And again, this is a learned characteristic. This is a learned behavior. We learn how to show up in conflict from our family unit, from our primary caregivers, from watching our parents fight and argue. And what I learned was um, first, it escalates into anger, Mm. then rage. And then usually there's some sort of big rupture. And then it's the silent treatment. Everyone just totally walls off. And 
um, that goes on for an undefined amount of time, could be hours, could be days, sometimes weeks. And then at some point, that turns into normalcy. No segue, just abrupt normalcy and pretending that none of that ever happened. Yeah. So what I used to struggle with, you know, in at part in parts of our relationship was when we had a rupture, every part of me wanted to just wall up and wall off. And it felt really, really, really challenging and really dangerous for me to open my heart mm. and to let you back in. And this is something that I'm so deeply grateful to you for because you've led at so many points in our relationship in those moments where, you know, when roles are reversed, you've actually opened your heart. You've been quick to forgive. You've been quick to want to reconnect. And that's strength, right? That's power. And that inspires a high value man. Oh, thank you. I received that. I, I think you spoke to it. So beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about the opposite of the open-hearted leader, which falls in, you know, two places on the spectrum. We have the person or the woman who shows up as hyper-independent or hyper-codependent. And so both of these characteristics, both of these learned adaptations are not going to inspire commitment in a high-value man. So this is sort of the archetype of the woman who's like, fuck you, I don't need you, I can do it on my own. And there's a very specific reason why that way of being got developed. And I was definitely there for a long time. And then there is the sort of codependent embodiment, which is I can't do it without you. I need you for my safety and protection. And I also played in that arena for a while as well. And I, I oscillated back and forth between them. But, you know, when we I'll, I'll I'll just speak from personal experience. When I inhabited either of those states, hyper-independent, fuck you, I don't need you, or hyper-codependent, I need you for my survival and safety. I didn't feel fully empowered. I didn't feel inspired by myself. And certainly, I think there's a lot of context around you know, working through and resolving trauma and really learning to regulate my nervous system that we can go into in a different episode. But I just know that as a woman, I feel most inspired by myself when I can really step back and take a moment to assess what's happening internally, what I need from myself, what requests I can make, and how I can come back to a place of open-heartedness first with myself and then with you as my partner. So you preempted me because I was going to go into the trauma stuff, but we could be here for four hours. I know. Uh, Maybe we'll cover some of that in TCC, the Commitment Code Workshop. But let me say two things. Um, one, this hyper-independence, a lot of women have that. A lot of men have that too. Um, I had that for sure. I think you've had that too in your past. Um, typically, uh, what this comes down to is a fundamental lack of safety with intimacy. At some point, typically growing up when intimacy wasn't safe, when love hurts. Um, we've, some of us have had that experience with our family of origin. What we learn is to, to protect ourselves. We have to be walled off or we need to 
put some distance between us. So a lot of these things are what I like to call distance regulators, the ways in which we are regulating safety by increasing distance or by putting up a wall so that, you know, if we're not too close, then you can't hurt me. Mm-hmm. So if you're a woman who, um, I'm assuming you're a woman if you're listening to this, but if you're a man, this will equally apply to you. But if you're listening to this and you're becoming aware of some hyper-independent tendencies, you have to first understand that that is an adaptation to lack of safety. And your your work is going to be learning to feel safe with intimacy. And you have to practice intimacy with someone you feel safe with. And the other thing that you know, we should really, really underscore. I know we're underscoring a lot of things, but these are very nuanced topics. These are very nuanced subjects and we cannot just overgeneralize or make these blanket statements. And these terms are loaded for people. So we're not saying that the way to get into the partnership of your dreams is you do your work solo and become really high value while your future partner is out there doing their work solo to become really high value. And then you, as two extremely high value people, you meet and you live happily ever after riding off on the horse into the sunset. That is not how reality works. This is how it actually works. You're doing your work. You're not perfect. You're still fucking up all over the place. It's okay. There's no expectation for you to be perfect. You can be deeply flawed. It's okay. We are too, still. And your future partner, same thing. And you come together as inherently worthy, inherently valuable, perfectly imperfect beings who choose to do the work with each other And then together, you become extremely high value. You have to get this. For you to become, to reach your potential in terms of um, who you can be on this planet, in this life, you have to be in relationship. It is only a relationship that will unlock you to that extent. You cannot do this alone. And that's been our experience too. And I just want to break all those delusions because I used to believe this myself. I thought if I did my work enough, then I would meet the woman who is, who's done all her work and she is free of any issues and, and wounding and, you know, we'll be happy live happily ever after it's delusional. Um, and it doesn't work. So the journey is to um, not find the perfect partner. Mm-hmm. And I think this language of high value sort of is confusing, but it's also helpful. So I'm trying to be as nuanced as possible. What we're all looking for is someone to do this work with. Yes. And I personally want to be doing this for the rest of my life because I don't want to stop growing and evolving and developing. Every day I, w- I want to wake up and find a way to be better. And that is, again, not a qualification in terms of my inherent worthiness or value, right? Be Wanting to be better doesn't mean that who I am today is less than 
who I will be tomorrow. And like you beautifully put it, this is the journey of becoming more of who we are, mm-hmm. who we're capable of being. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for that, babe. Awesome. Okay. So let's let's get into the next set of qualities. Desire versus complaint. And I have been on, learned so much on this journey as well. Let's talk about complaint for a second. It's never fun to receive someone's complaint. And typically underneath a complaint, there is a desire that exists, but that person who is complaining has just not connected deeply enough to the desire. And it's often easier to complain. And we are in a society that just complains all over the place on online, on someone's profile. It's just a lot of complaining and trash talking. But if we look at a complaint and we really dive down deep enough into it, there is an unfulfilled desire that exists within. So if I say to Ani, if I say to you, babe, you never take out the trash. I am so sick of this. I'm always the one that has to take out the trash. It gets smelly. It piles up like you're lazy, right? There is a whole world of stuff in there. And underneath that complaint, I have a desire. I have a desire, you know, maybe superficially for you to take out the trash, but really my desire is to feel supported, to feel like I'm in partnership, to feel like some of the household duties are being anticipated and we're operating as a team, that you've got my back and I've got yours. And if I were to say to you instead, babe, I would really love to feel like a team. And I'm I'm so deeply desiring for us to find ways that we can support each other around the household. The first one is around some of the household chores, taking out the trash. I would really, really love if you could do that on Mondays and Thursdays when the trash gets collected. Is that something you could help me with? I would feel so supported if you were able to do that. Totally different experience in my body. Right. What is the difference in the experience in your body? When you lead with a complaint and an accusation, my wall goes up immediately. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that tunes out the rest of what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but there's also a, an immediate fuck you that arises. Yep. And there's a defensiveness that rises up. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's not gonna go to a fruitful functional place. Right. Does it inspire you to take the action that I Doesn't, want you to take? It, we're not going to end up in, I've got your trash bag and you've got mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's complaint and then there is desire. I think desire um, is inherently sexy. Yes. Right. That Because even when you were speaking the same thing as desire, you're talking about the trash, but it feels sexy. Mm-hmm. Right? I, it feels inviting. It feels alluring. There's, there's, it's beautiful. And, you know, as a man, I think there's something about a woman who is extremely emotionally intelligent, aware, and is, is masterful with her emotions so that She can contain that energy that rises up in her and instead of expressing and complaint can 
articulate with desire. I mean, that that feels so good. And it, it's very disarming. It inspires me to like, I mean, I kind of want to just pause right now and go up and take the trash out, to be honest. <laughs> it is Thursday when we're recording. <laughs> That's <this>. so funny. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's, and you know, if you're listening, you might have felt a difference in your body too between how you felt when I complained and when I shared a desire. And again, this is all about inspiring commitment, inspiring someone to really be in relationship with us. Okay. So let's get through these last few. Uh, we have now the difference between being walled off and being open. And we talked a little bit about this before, but when we are walled off, typically as a protective mechanism, there is sometimes a very right place and time for this. The walled off salad? <laughs> salad. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. I'm so glad you didn't. The walled off Okay. Oh, my God. All right, the only so thing the we eat in our clinical practice. <laughs> the walled off <laughs> I can't with you. I can. The codependent food plate and <laughs> mashed ice cream. Okay. I'll be here all day. <laughs> oh my God. Your face while you're saying this is just so like stoic. I try. <laughs> I love it. Extra, extra dry. I love you so much. Okay. So we have walled off. And typically this arises out of a need to protect ourselves. We create these walls as a protective mechanism. And it's likely that we had to do that often and significantly in our childhood if that is a behavior and a nervous system state that we often inhabit as an adult. And when we really go on the journey of learning to regulate our nervous systems, asking for support in this area from professionals and, and trusted loved ones, we can we can really embody a state that allows us to remain open, even in some of the most challenging situations. And that is what inspires commitment from a high value man. Anything you want to add to that? Well, emotional mastery is a different kind of currency. Hmm. Right. It's and it's no less important than money. Yeah. I think we think about value in the world primarily through the lens of money. I think we forget how intoxicating, how valuable, and how exhilarating it is to be in the presence of someone who has a very, very high level of mastery over their emotional system. Yeah. And who's really grounded in, in who they are, who's really comfortable in their own skin. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing is, I mean, it's worth trillions of dollars. And that and that 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 inherently raises someone's value. Yeah. Because when we, you know, we went to that stand-up comedy show a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about stand-up comedians, we were talking about, you know, performers in general. The why do people, tens of thousands of people, show up? to watch this performer on the stage, well, it's because they're, they're sub-communicating a level of value 
by virtue of being so comfortable that they have the undivided attention and the gaze of tens of thousands of people on them. And they're just performing. They're expressing, you know, with authenticity, vulnerability, they're playing their music or telling their jokes. That's extremely, extremely attractive. And you don't need to be on stage with tens of thousands of people watching to show up the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. And even if it's just you and someone else on a date or whatever situation at a dinner party, it's just as intoxicating. It's just as valuable. Aho. Agreed. Beautiful. So the last two go hand in hand here. And there's something that I learned uh, early on in my work as an intimacy coach um, about what helps men to uh, really be inspired by a woman. And it's it's a woman who can allow him to feel like he's winning. And that there are a lot of ways that that can be interpreted. But what I mean by that is when a woman is so clear about her needs, boundaries, desires, when she's connected to her emotions, when she's connected to her body and she can make clear requests and she can state her desires, it's so much easier for her man to be like, absolutely, babe, I can do that for you. You want me to take out the trash? I would love to do that for you. And he takes out the trash and she's like, babe, oh, thank you so much. That was so helpful. I was cooking and you know, doing this thing over here. That was just such a huge help. Now he feels like he's winning with her. And we can do this for each other in relationship. This is not just woman to man. But when we are so deeply attuned to our internal landscape such that we can invite someone else into that landscape through language, through um, our gaze through body language, and they can know where we're at but through our clear communication. And we can say, hey, I would love for you to be with me here. I'd love, I'd love to make a request for this. And then they can do that if they have the capacity to. And then they receive our joy and our gratitude on the other end of that. They feel like they're winning. And High value men, men who are doing the inner work, men who are constantly forging themselves, love to feel that way. Any human loves to feel that way. And what is so attractive to these kinds of men is when we can share with them the map to the treasure. Yeah. And another underscore is you can do this on a date, you can do this in the dating courtship process, you can do this in a relationship, and you can do this talking to a stranger at a coffee shop because we're talking about universal principles of relating. And this is how we, and we can do this with ourselves, right? Everything, literally everything we're talking about, the beauty of this is that the only way to inspire that level of commitment in someone else towards us is for us to already embody that for ourselves. Mm. Right. The the only reason why we are still in a relationship is because, you know, very early on, I could feel your commitment to yourself. And I imagine vice versa. And so that's Mm -hmm. sort of the glue that holds 
every interaction together. Beautiful. And, you know, opposite of that is, you know, for those listening, you may have had an experience like this. There's just someone in your life and you feel like you can never win with them. No matter how much you try, how hard you try, how many times you do the thing or say the thing, it just never feels like it's enough. And if you think back to a scenario like that, you just don't feel like you can win with that person. It's not fun to relate to them. It's not joyful. It's not pleasurable. It's not connected. And so the same thing is true here, whether that is on a first date, in a text exchange before you even meet someone, or many years into a relationship. We want to be the kinds of humans that take responsibility for our needs and desires and communicate them clearly so that people can feel successful in the relationship with us and that we can feel successful in the relationship with us. Yeah, beautifully said. And again, a great place to practice is with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Do you find yourself really never being able to win with yourself? Mm. Are you always critical with yourself? Can you Can you just never get ahead or come out on top that's a great place to practice the compassion the empathy the the loving nurturing presence where it's okay and chances are if you can cultivate that capacity with with yourself it'll come much 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 easier with someone else hear ye hear ye beautiful okay so let's get into the last one something you wanted to say no go for it All right. Last one here on the list of how to inspire the commitment of a high value man is the difference between empowering a man and emasculating a man. So let's talk about this concept of emasculation. First of all, it's important to know that we can emasculate ourselves, even as women, right? Like I said earlier, we all have masculine and feminine energy, yin and yang energy flowing through us. When we tear ourselves down through aggression, through criticism, through constant nitpicking, we are emasculating ourselves. We are removing the ability for ourselves to respond, right? There is, there is a forward movement to the masculine that wants to respond and solve a problem, answer a question. When we remove our own ability to do that because we are constantly cutting ourselves down, we are emasculating ourselves. And, you know, I'd go so far as to say castrating ourselves. This is energetic and emotional castration. And so we can also do this in relationship to other people, right? If Ani and I were to be in a scenario and he could never win with me and I'm just constantly complaining to him and telling him how what he does is never good enough, I am cutting him down without providing him a pathway into my heart for how he can, you know, be in support of my desires and needs. And so emasculation is, is a very particular energy of um, frustration, anger, rage projected at someone that removes their ability to respond and removes their ability to be able to be successful in that relationship. And the opposite of that is empowerment. So even in situations where Ani and I experience conflict, there is a way that I can show up where I can empower him to understand what my needs are, or I can empower him. Even in his own endeavors, I can empower him. 
And so there's a different energy of empowerment. First, within myself. Am I empowered to know what my body needs? Do I need space? Do I need a hug? Do I need to uh, really just be witnessed in something and not given feedback? What is my level of self-empowerment within myself and my ability to respond to my own needs, desires, boundaries? And then how do I communicate that clearly to my partner so that he feels empowered to really support me in the way that I need supporting and in the way that he really wants to support me? And the fractal strikes again, because a disempowered person can't really truly empower someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're feeling disempowered with yourself, there you don't have the capacity to truly empower someone else. Because we can only do that from a place of wholeness. And the trick to this whole game is that you have to become that kind of partner to yourself that you're looking for outside yourself. Yes. And when you do, then those people automatically appear who are a reflection of how you've been already treating yourself. Mm-hmm. how loving and nurturing and empowering you've been with yourself. Beautiful. And that segues us perfectly because like I said in the beginning of the episode, we are about to kick off a live powerful experience on Zoom. So you can join us from wherever you are called the commitment code. And Ani was just talking about the fractalic mirror-like nature of how the universe works wherein everything we attract into our field, into our lives is a reflection of us somehow. So when we show up in deep devotion to ourselves and we commit to ourselves, we start to naturally attract people who want to commit to us and who are committed to themselves. And that is the whole quote unquote secret of attracting high quality men who are doing the inner work, who are ready to roll their sleeves up and learn and grow alongside you as a powerful woman who's doing the inner work. We're going to be diving very deep into this, even more deeply than we did in this episode, inside the Commitment Code workshop. So if any of this spoke to you, triggered you, activated you, moved you, really resonated and landed, we want you there. You have got to be there. We are doing this on May 1st, Monday. So this coming Monday, if you're listening to this, from 6 to 8 p.m. Central. I'm going to put the link to register in the show notes. Um, I can't say enough about how profound this experience will be. We've got a number of really badass women already registered, and it is all about the art of self-commitment to naturally attract men who are ready to commit, ready to commit, ready to be in relationship, and are already doing the inner work. And if you're watching this or listening to this long after, then click the URL anyway, because we might be hosting it again. Beautiful. We will be hosting this workshop regularly. So click the URL anyway. And um, if we're not already connected on social media, let's connect there at Linoto underscore. If something in this episode really resonated for you, We invite you to share this out. And if you know of a woman whose life this would really touch, please share this with her. We are so deeply in service to getting these messages out to as many people as possible. And we so appreciate your support in that. Babe, any 
closing remarks, anything else you'd like to add before we close this episode? No, just that, you know, find that level of devotion and commitment to yourself that inspires other people Hmm. all around you. Like, I think we can, if we can boil everything down to one thing, it would be that. But more to come in the Commitment Code. Join us there. We'd be excited to see you and even dialogue because I know we'll have some spots for Hot Seat Coaching as well. We will. We will. Like, share, subscribe, leave a rating, all the good things. And until next time. Until next time, much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, please leave a five-star review and subscribe to the show and spread the love by sharing this episode out on social media and to all the powerful women in your life. And if you're ready to play full out and create heart-throbbing love, hop on over to my website to see all the juicy ways you can do just that www.leenoto.com. Fellow wild woman, I appreciate you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and all the good vibes.